listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister. So my wife decided last night to take me to see the new James Bond flick. And as silly as they may be, I just absolutely find them to be such a fun thing to do. Um, the uh, the intrigue and the sexiness of it all, and the the uh, the craziness, and the, the you know, boy, how's he going to get out of this one type thing? All of that stuff played into my experience last night as I was watching the film. And at one point. There was the question, I wish I could remember where in the film exactly, but I remember it stopped me in my mental tracks. The question was, what drives you? What drives you? And I don't even remember if it was towards Bond or towards, I, I don't remember who it was towards, but I remember just sitting there in the theater and just going, oh. What drives me? What drives my wife? What drives all of us? What drives us? What got us here? What drives us? I think exploring that question and exploring it openly so it's not about finding an answer necessarily but that it's about the open exploration of the question becomes incredibly powerful an incredibly powerful practice after all that's what this is all about it's about wonder it's about questioning it's about not knowing and if you're like most most of us not knowing is absolutely threatening. It's absolutely threatening to usually an identity that we have built. It's threatening since we want to know, especially if that in us which perceives that it knows is really a strong force. If it's a vital force within us, the, the knowing, our intellects, if that's very, very strong in us, if we've been able to outthink our way through the puzzles that the universe throws our way, it can be incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult to practice not knowing, to practice questioning, to practice uncovering what drives us. But that's the work. And for those of you that really want to know, um, what happens is once you get through this work, you recognize that that in you which knows isn't diminished into a place of, you know, where it's no longer accessible. You don't suddenly become stupid, imbecilic, uh, blind. You, uh, you don't lose your vitality. 
It's just that your vitality, intellectual, heartfelt, and otherwise, is informed by something much greater. And you consciously let it in and let it out. There's a, sometimes we, we look at it as a transplant. The transplant that occurs is that in us which is tight becomes transplanted with that in us which is infinitely spacious. And that infinite spaciousness begins to consciously inform everything that has been tight, everything that has been bound. The bound becomes informed by the unbound. The manifest world becomes informed by the unmanifest in a conscious way. Surrendering to that opening, just like a flower surrenders to its own opening each morning, is the act of sitting. And no matter what, without a still uh, point in our experience, without a meditative practice where there is stillness that is consciously met and that we work through all the stuff that keeps running around and bouncing around in our heads and in our hearts, in our bodies, in our environments. If we start to uncover where it is that stillness is, until we do that, we just keep running like my old hamster used to do in our habit trail on that little treadmill. How come I'm not moving anywhere? This meditation's for the birds. It doesn't take me and it doesn't help me. Okay, you're right. You're right. The meditation isn't just the sitting on the chair. It's not just the sitting on our cushion. It's where we take the meditation out into the world. And that means being able to meet everything in the world from a place of stillness. We actualize rainbow in the storm of life. So in addition to not knowing, being able to kind of relax in this not knowing, we have an opportunity to uncover uh, a rather intensely deep gratitude. When we are thankful and we consciously meet that thankfulness, we are allowing the world to change us. And at that point, when we allow the world, the universe, to change us, we then can participate in the conscious change of the universe, but only at that point. It's only when we literally embody the peace can we have the effect of peace on others. It's only when we allow the world in, we allow gratitude for all that is in, that what comes from us miraculously 
is something that can change the world, lead us literally, all of us, into a conscious evolution. This sounds very much like Gandhi. You know, become the change you wish to see in the world. I think uh, Che Guevara said this as well when he was a young man. It's that we let the world change you and you change the world. This, this happens. It begins with gratitude. Gratitude is an opening to all that is. All that is. without pushing it away or out trying to, without trying to modify it or change it or anything. We just, we just meet what is, what is actually happening. And when we do this, when we allow for deep gratitude, we begin to, whether we know it or not, we begin to release our grasping tendencies. Gratitude is the bow. It's the honoring. It's not the grabbing. It's the honoring. When we bow to this group, or when we bow to each other, or when we, uh, we, you know, whenever we bow in this tradition, it's about recognizing that which is deeply sacred. Namaste. I bow to the God within you and within me. So the grasping, when we feel gratitude, we uh, immediately are afforded a chance to just recognize this non-grasping aliveness in our experience. And when we release from grasping, we release from craving and resistance, the two moves of ego. Going after, give me some more of that, or, I don't want any more of that. We're released from those two moves. The two-dimensionality of our contracted self begins at that point to give way to a multi-dimensionality of all these different areas, these wider choices that can be made because we are freed from our grasping and our resistance. We're in that still point. Gratitude is still. Gratitude comes from that in us which is meeting consciously the infinite. Oddly appropriate that this talk is coming up the week of Thanksgiving. But what an amazing time to go past the tradition. Don't negate it, but just to go past the tradition and really, really uncover what it is we feel thankful for. And in that, in that recognition, that, that, that releasing of grasping, when we allow the world in, we allow gratitude to inform our activity, we are freed from grasping and resistance we are simultaneously released from fear. 
There's no longer seeking. Seek, 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 seek. There's no longer the fear of death. That which fears death is precisely what doesn't want to let the world in or wants to let the world in in small pieces so it can use those small pieces to create some type of defense against the inevitable truth of temporariness. We begin to open ourselves to a very, very clear recognition that no matter what we're thankful for, it's not going to last very long. When we really think about that, talk about mind-blowing. Whatever we're really thankful for really isn't going to last that long. It creates a freshness to that which we do have. We begin to participate in our life a little differently. We look at the people in our lives a little differently. We look at the situations in our lives a little differently when we recognize this isn't going to last. Maybe that's a really good thing. <laughs> but maybe it's not. Maybe the things that you are most thankful for are things that you are actually grasping to hang on to with all your might. You have two options there. One, go for it. Keep trying to grasp onto it. It'll, the, you're not going to be able to, and then that'll wake you up. Or what you can do is wake up to the fact that you can't hold on to it, so recognize how precious and beautiful it is when you do this to it as opposed to this. It allows our participation to change. We go into a place of fearlessness. Once we recognize that truth, we really let it in. We really let it in. And we begin to participate from that place. We participate in the world from that place of release. From that place of gratitude. So this aspect of the teaching can really toss people for a loop quite often. because you ha And you have two choices here at this point when we recognize how temporary everything is, how uh, a release from grasping, a release from fear, all that stuff, we will go into one of two directions. And that is we will go into a position of closure or a position of openness. Those are the two places. You might have a varying degree of closure or a varying degree of openness. Okay, But we, we tend to center towards the closure. What gets us on the other side of that? What gets us from uh, fear, which seeks permanence, security, okay, and allows us to go into fearlessness? Fearlessness knows loss. Capital K knows. It, it recognizes loss. That every single moment we are losing yet more 
and more and more of the stuff that we don't need. We continually are losing stuff that we don't need. The clothes side of us really wants bliss. Give me some more of that bliss. Come on, come on, give me some more. Of that. I'll sit, I'll do this meditation as long as I can get some more of that bliss. That in us which is open, instead of the bliss, it becomes more oriented towards surrender and wonder. Not knowing, but wonder. The closure response tends to be fundamental in its approach towards things. It can even get fundamental about its uh, disdain for fundamentalists. It's about this is right, that is wrong. In the open end of things, rather than right and wrong, rather than fundamentalism, it becomes all about evolutionary awakening, experience, unlearning, so that growth can happen. That in us which is closed will die. It will die. And that, is, that in us which is open centers itself around timeless being. The body will die. The mind will die. The individuated sense of mind, of body, this, it will all go away. Not only for us, but for other people. But awareness grows. And this is the gift we can leave this planet with. We can bestow it upon those lives that we touch. We become absolutely clued in to this deepening awareness within us. Let it soak through us. And then as we walk through the rest of our days, those that we touch are able to move through the world differently. It's about evolution. It's about growth. It's about opening. It's about infinity. So one of the ways I've used the term enlightenment, um, I've described it as this constant unfolding of this recognition, this opening, that timeless being is neither inside nor outside. It's that there's no boundary to it at all. It's what always is. Timeless being is never not there for any of us. Just like your breath is never not there. Even when you're not aware of it, your breath is still there. We begin to plug into our breath 
we then have the skills to plug into timeless being. Because if you are plugging into the awareness of your breath, that awareness is timeless. Supporting that awareness in ourselves frees us from all sorts of stuff. It frees us from anything that is bound. We recognize that this body is this amazing vehicle. We want to take care of it, okay? But it is not the be-all, end-all. This mind that we have is a vehicle. We want to take care of it, but it is not the be-all, end-all. Neither our mind nor our body will ever be the whole story as much as we've been conditioned to think that it is, and as much as we've been conditioned to think that our mind and our body can recognize, understand everything, it can take care of everything, even this work towards opening. But it can't. Just like the eyes cannot see themselves, the mind cannot think its way into awakening. So what do we do? We go to the space that's past the mind. And once again, here's how practice works. We go to the place of observation. We observe our breath. If you do this right now, just for five seconds, just observe your breath, the inhalation, the exhalation, the coolness of the air as it comes in on your soft palate. The rise and fall of your chest, the opening of your belly. Everything in you that is aware of that activity not judging it, but it is a, that is aware of it, is an awakened mind. We start with our breath and then we look at our thoughts. That in us which can be aware of all those thoughts is free of those thoughts. It is timeless being. It is a raw, naked awareness of what is beyond the mind and beyond the body and that's our freedom we inhabit that space when we awaken that allows our mind to reconfigure our body to literally reconfigure in the way it meets the world and then we become gratitude. So, did anything come up for you? Any type of questioning or wonder? Anything like that come up? I had a hard time. You had a hard time? Articulating individual Blissed out after sitting. But yeah. It's really hard to get my mind down into like and 
thankful for this one thing and this one thing and to list them because it just seemed like I felt thankful for everything. And when we feel thankful for everything, this is really interesting actually. So when, after the meditation, your point was that you were having a hard time kind of coming up with three things to really kind of say, okay, I'm thankful for this specifically, this specifically, but that rather it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so let me push that a little bit. Are you even thankful for all the wrongs that were done to you? Actually, that was one of the three things that I that mentioned was the, the, the difficulties in the, that I've experienced in life that have brought me to the point of coming here. Exactly. The entire universe conspired, Michael, to get you here. Everything is perfect from the perspective of openness. From timeless being, <laughs> everything just works perfectly. Now, when we're in the thick of it, it sure doesn't feel like perfection, right? From the contracted perspective, it feels like a whole lot of hell. But what does that hell do? It tenderizes our hearts and our minds so that we can therefore open as a compassionate force to not only the world, but to everything that's near us. It's perfect. It works perfectly. We have everything we need for awakening. We don't always have everything we need for what we want to satisfy needs. That's not always there. Sometimes we don't have food. There are plenty of people on this planet who don't. Sometimes we don't have love. There's plenty of people on this planet who don't. Okay, but whether or not you feel it reflected from the universe consciously or not, no matter what your circumstance, everything helps us get to awakening if we're open to it. So, congratulations. <laughs> Keep being thankful for everything. Yeah. And then participate. Help the people that are hungry. Help the people that don't have love. Help the, right? Mm -hmm. That was a good one. <laughs> of difficult times. Mm -hmm. After the fact, I have the perspective. So after the fact, you can deal with it, but while you're in it, it's very difficult. And so my sense is the, the question is probably how do we find that perspective in the middle of the fire? Yeah. Okay? Is that possible? That is exactly what the Buddha taught. Okay. That is exactly what Christ spoke of. That is exactly what all the mystics, all these men and women are pointing toward. Okay? You have to actually do the heavy lifting by walking the walk which in this case is being still, okay? But in stillness, we uncover the present moment. The awareness, for instance, of our breath, that awareness can only exist in the now, okay? And when we begin to plug into that more and more and more, our 
point of psychological and spiritual centration, huge word, but you get the idea. I mean, the, 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 the area of our closure begins to fall apart. The closure begins to naturally evolve into something that's bigger, just like the universe is evolving into something that is continually bigger. Stillness, or in the case of something that's really hammering you in, in the moment, become curious about what it feels like in your body, what it feels like in your mind. That awareness is not co-opted by the events. It can't be touched by the events. The awareness of what's going on in our body and our mind is not caught by what's going on in our body and our mind. So we practice that awareness. We practice that awareness. That awareness is infinitely peaceful. So we bow nine times. That's the way we show tremendous gratitude in Zen. We bow nine times to those horrors in our lives and in the lives of others that push them and push us towards that opening. Learning hurts. But what does it hurt? It hurts that in us which wants to hang on. Why does it hurt? It hurts because if you take your hand like this and you hold it like this for 10 minutes, just grip as hard as you can into a fist, open those fingers. Right? In its natural state, there's no pain. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Whether it's there or not, he's experiencing a paradox. Mm -hmm. Not just from this, but from things I've read, for example, it seems like we're holding on to awareness, grasping for awareness, whereas the principle says don't grasp for anything mm -hmm. yet. And when you go into this awakened state of the moment, mm -hmm. you sense block out everything else. Well, can I stop you right there? Because yeah. if you're blocking everything else out, that's not awareness. That's be aware of an infinite number of things simultaneously. You're nah, actually now. Here, this now it gets kind of fun. You guys ready? Seatbelts on. Okay. The whole idea of intersubjectivity, the whole idea of can you be aware of myriad things at one time, uh, all that. Sure. Yeah, the mind will never be able to make that happen. But that which is beyond mind has already been always aware and will always already be always aware of all things. Like the Dalai Lama says, if there's no evidence for it, we're not going to believe it. Yet I think we would be hard pressed to provide scientific evidence to substantiate that. And I totally, says, oh, I, like I totally agree. If the scientific community would just do the experiment. They don't do the experiment. Well, then someone needs to teach them because they're having their meetings. Right. 
And then the minute you say, okay, sit still for 10,000 hours and watch what happens, you'll be amazed. And guess what they do? They immediately go into the resistance pattern, which is why I'm not doing that. But some do. Some do. And the ones that are, are actually uncovering an amazing amount of really, really beautiful, genuinely beautiful offerings for the whole of humanity. Okay, now, I can't tell you, I mean, the minute we go into that space, I mean, if you're going to ask me, okay, do we live after we die? I don't know. I don't really care, right? right? Um, and I, I think it's a great block for practice. Amazing. It's an amazing block for practice. Well, not in this life, but maybe in my next life. Okay, well, that just gave the big old ego tons of permission, right? Instead, what we do is rather than blocking everything out, we watch everything as it's happening in our experience. We watch the mind. We become the watcher, okay? We watch what's going on in the body. We begin to watch the resistance. We begin to watch the confusion. We watch the paradox. That which watches is not caught by the paradox. It's not caught by the body, by the mind, right? Okay? It's not blocking everything out. It's being aware of that which is trying to block stuff out. So in our experience, we can literally, I kind of envision it almost like backing up again and again. We can keep backing up, watching what's being played out for us on this stage of mind and moving back from the front row in that theatrical experience into the back row to the point where the theater itself begins to devolve, devolve and dissolve into stars. Play with that for just this moment. <laughs> All right. Larry, you had a question. I want to get to your question, then we have to. Uh, you mentioned that learning is painful or it hurts or something. I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah, for you it may not be. Yeah. I think I think that what what happens is maybe a better way for me to have said it is learning can be unbelievably painful. It can also be unbelievably pleasurable. But one of the great learning experiences uh, that we can have that most of us would consider to be painful is the loss of someone or something that is sacred to us. That we have a sacred sense of gratitude. Uh, we, we, have, we have this relationship of thankfulness. And when it's taken from us, we learn. Just like stuff that is added can be pleasurable. The Lord giveth and taketh away, right? That entire, that entire play can be either, okay? Being open to both being open to our pain and being open to our pleasure is different than craving pleasure and avoiding pain. That openness is actually what gets us past all the roadblocks. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs>